All right. So I finished White Fragility today. Oh, interesting. That's a book that the the equity trainers that I've been going with uh, for school really recommend. And uh, I was like, well, all right, I'll get the audio of it. And it's really hard to listen to. I don't know if you saw my Goodreads review of it, but was like, this person likes to make big, long lists, such as lists <laughs> about this and lists about that. Like, that's hard. That's easy to read, but hard to yeah, audio. Yeah. <laughs> I am glad that I read it and I am, I understand why it is so highly recommended. Michelle's reading it right now. She oh, has God. it. What's I that? Want, I just want y'all to know that, like, if. <laughs> no, clearly I ain't reading shit. Some criticisms that the book gets is one. This is a white person who's right here. Yeah. And two, it centers on whiteness in, in a way that other discourse is not, especially since there are other uh, uh, books that do a better job citing shit. Yeah. So... Well, and, and, and it doesn't cite well. It's, it's mostly anecdotal, and it is white lady talking to white people. And I wouldn't recommend it first. Like, I, had I not read Anti-Racist first, I would not have appreciated the subtleties of what D'Angelo, is that right, yeah. uh, is saying. Your criticism's totally valid. She does a good job of calling out white people bullshit. I thought it was worth listening to. It's an hour longer than it needs to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that was like, so for Michelle, it was like um, a number of her friends were like, oh, we should pick a book and we should read it and whatever. And then when Michelle found out that that was the book, she was kind of like, why are we reading this book by this white person? Like, why? <laughs> this doesn't make a lot of sense. This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on July 7th, 2020. Today on It Will Probably Be Okay, a genius, a buffoon, a storyteller, Stan Slackjawed, as one of our hosts attempts to defend the indefensible. Karen! Karen, come home! The kids miss their father! And there are bigger issues at stake. <laughs> I'm the Kenji, a human being who loves marketing. And I'm Nick, and I think people should wear masks. And I'm Gabe Wallenberg, noted apologist for assholes. So before we can defang Karen... Let's let's start with a little warm up. You never start an exercise regimen without a warm up. How about mini topics? So I have been out of high school now for 20 years this year. Oh, and, wow. oh, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. We were we were the the class of 2000. And so some of my oh, uh, I hate to interrupt. I shouldn't interrupt, but weren't you supposed to be smoke free? We smoke free class. Of smoke free. We were smoke free class. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> So some of my esteemed classmates are, have taken it upon themselves to plan a reunion in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> so on July 31st, a Friday night at the local bowling alley bar, it is the 2000 Oak Creek High School Reunion. They're going to kill you guys off 
once and for all. <laughs> not be there. And and it's actually funny. So on the on the Facebook page, there there's been a little bit of there was one person that suggested that maybe, you know, no harm, no foul if we just push it back a year. And that was met with uh, some pretty vehement feelings on the other side that, you know, let's let's get this thing done. You know, let's celebrate that 20 20- years. <laughs> Because realistically, there's no other way that you could know what your high school chums were up to 20 years later without getting together at a local bowling alley. (laughs) Most definitely. Yeah, that's that's kind of uh, been a little bit entertaining for me to watch. A a little unsurprising just to see which people are the the vehement folks who are saying like, oh, no, we should do this. It's no big deal. And then which people are saying, well, hey, have fun. You guys are not going to be there. I, I think my favorite moment, though so far of the whole um, webpage was someone had started a new group for our class on Facebook and and just kind of asked everybody to add their friends and people that they knew that were part of the class. And one guy got added and he said, Hey, why am I in this group? And um, somebody said, Hey, I I thought you were in our class. And he said, no, I got expelled. (laughs) I mean, he's still in your class. I mean, that gave me a little chuckle. He kind of, then he kind of (laughs) involved the fact that no one ever considers him part of the class because he got expelled. And then shortly after that, he he went off on a girl in the group and got kicked out. So I think (laughs) clearly in 20 years, he hasn't changed all that much. Um, First he was kicked out of the class and now he was kicked out of the class Facebook group. You don't sound like you need a salve, right? You don't sound wounded, like I'm missing my 20 years. No, no. But I missed my 10th, 15th, 20th, and 25th without even batting an eye. Like I... If, if Facebook has given us and social media has given us one thing, it is a clear view of why skipping your reunion is a good idea. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, there are, are there people I like would like to see? Yeah. And I've seen them recently. Everyone else? <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> this might just be a coming from the privileged position of living in your hometown, but... <clears throat> I don't, I don't need I don't need to go to my reunion. I wouldn't want to yeah, go I, to my reunion. That'd be bashing as hell. Like, oh god, that would be so much fun. It would be a blast. Also, I'd get a stunt. But yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Like I have like one and a half friends that I still talk to. Like I don't talk to anybody on any regular basis, but there are people that I do consistently make sure to check in with a couple times mm-hmm. a year. And so it'd be great to have an excuse to spend all that money to go to Barbados sure. and like stay for like a week and a half. And then know for sure I'll get to hang out with people because actually right now, one of the things I struggle with is like, I literally don't really talk to a lot of people in Barbados besides my brother and maybe a couple people I could wrangle up to like <laughs> hang out with. I don't know who I would. <laughs> so a class reunion sounds like a very good idea. Also, I get to be bashy. And you don't get to be bashy in America, particularly the Midwest. <laughs> so, I mean, you've said this before too, Nikenji, like, you know, the seminal difference between American students and not American students is that you actually enjoyed your education and felt like it was worth your time. That's only because I came from Barbados to America. I value I value the Caribbean system a lot now. But I'm pretty sure people who went to school at QC at Queens College 
some people didn't give a fuck. There's always people that didn't give a fuck. And there was a point in where I didn't give a fuck either in sixth form. It was just like, fuck this shit. Fuck it all. Fuck the system. Fuck it. So. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the Nikenji I know at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're talking about me. Mm -hmm. My mini topic is America is ridiculous. And here's why. Here's the one mini topic on why. The federal agency ICE, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, plans to deport college students here on student visas if their school is only offering online courses this fall. Yeah, I saw that. And when you think about how much students pay, like you pay out your ass Mm -hmm. as an international student to be at an American school. When you think about... Like, the amount of students who are in different time zones, so you go home and you have a 3 a.m. class, like, what is this? Then when you think about traveling in a pandemic, it's like, seriously, this is the biggest fish you have to fry right now, Ice. This is Mm -hmm. the biggest fish you have to fry. This is, like, just straight up bullies and useless. Straight up bullies and useless. I'm pretty sure they couldn't stop a terrorist attack if it was walking right to their <laughs> so it's just it's just ridiculous it's ridiculous and then i see all of the commentary on on twitter because that's where i be where people are like well this is our country and like if if you don't abide by our rules then get out it's like yes we get that there are your rules we're saying that they're fucking ridiculous we're saying that you're being a bully we're saying that you're being unfair we're saying that you don't make no goddamn sense Okay, that is what we're saying. Yeah, it's within your rights to kick us out. Go ahead, do do that. But do know that most universities make bank from international students. Totally. And should they decide en masse not to fucking return, every single institution in this country will have a major financial problem. It's just insane. And let's not get into the people who are like, so like, why didn't you just apply for citizenship? There is absolutely no path from an F1 student to citizenship without, like, I don't know, marriage, which is a hop. So that is the path. So there's no actual path. Or maybe you get employment and somebody files for you. But even that is a hop. Like, there is no actual path (laughs) from being an F1 student to being a citizen. But dumbass Americans, and I understand not knowing your immigration process because, like, you've never had to go through it. But, like, when you're arguing on the internet, like, you could, like, Google that quickly before you state it as fact. You could do it. I do it all the time with words, with information. I just do a quick Google <laughs> to make <laughs> sure, like, I got my shit straight. Oh, God, it's insane. It's insane. Mm. I think it's an attack on immigration, but I I also think it's an attack on continuing education because the colleges don't want this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like honestly, <clears throat> the US government right now is like a banana republic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for Americans, like it feels like it's trash. Like you feel like it's trash, but you have to understand that literal third world countries, and no, I remember I make the argument that Barbados is in fact not a third world country, it's a developing country, and I prefer the term developing, but literal third world countries are looking and laughing 
at the United States of America. Like, mm-hmm. this is the definition of what a Barbadian would call a pappy show. Like, it don't make no sense. <laughs> it don't make no sense. And the thing that gets me, obviously, this is this, I'm going to end it here. The thing that gets me with immigration and how people treat immigrants and what they're doing with international students now is <clears throat> people take for granted that people want to immigrate to the United States. Mm-hmm. That does not have to continue into the future. And should uh, the United States of America no longer seem promising, the brain drain that would occur mm-hmm will ether the USA. But yet, everyone be talking like if they don't need immigrants. Like, we don't do nothing. Like, I didn't just, like, submit, like, a a shit ton of my social security to a a, a cause that I will probably not be able to get any benefits out of. Like, millions of other immigrants. And, like, people just... the, the, The talking point, I'm all about protecting your borders... And, and doing what you need to, to to keep whoever you deem unfavorable out. But just be fucking consistent. Just be, just be consistent. Well, the consistency is that they, whatever, whatever Fox News says is what they go along. So there is some consistency. I am here today with the genuine and sincere interest in taking on a topic that I thought was going to be incredibly challenging to take on. I have been watching the news and the internet with mostly YouTube. Believe it or not, YouTube has become my social media hub of choice. And I don't social on it. I just consume on it, which I think is why I like it. But as I've been watching YouTube, mostly for, oddly enough, uh, TikTok compilations (laughs) and TikTok reactions, I have noticed the media at large is glomming onto what they're sometimes calling the Karen apocalypse, the Karen apocalypse, the the rise of the Karen. And so as I watch these things, I watch some people who take on the archetype of Karen mercilessly attacking and shaming and deriding these Karens as subhuman, worthless, terrible people. And my instinct when I'm watching that is, well, wait a minute. You're all assholes. Every one of you. (laughs) Not Karen is an asshole and you who call out Karen is an asshole and God knows I'm an asshole. So I wanted to try to see if I could come up with a way to defend the the indefensible and remain honest. I hoped that we would get out of this together a better understanding of what the archetypal Karen is all about, what isn't a Karen, and at the end of the day, why does Karen? So let me start by saying, yes, I recognize I am defending the indefensible, but it is probably unfair to say that I'm defending. What I mean to do is attempt to understand Karen. I want to be very, very clear. So clear, in fact, that I wrote this down in advance. I am in no way justifying the behaviors exhibited by the people that we're going to discuss. 
the people who have had the Karen label affixed to them and the people who Karen intentionally are doing bad things. These people are failing society in many, many ways. And that's what we love about them. They let us look at them and say, yeah, but I'm not Karen. So let's explore this. What I'm here to ask is at the end of the day, why does Karen Karen? If I've learned nothing from recent readings on hot button topics, I have learned at least that one must have a decent operational definition of a thing before one can discuss it fully. So I will let you guys pick who wants to take it first. Nick, Nikenji, what is a Karen? <clears throat> Karen is a white person, no person, not woman, who weaponizes their societal status in a way as to hmm, get what they want. And it typically ends with the what we call white people tears, where they are now the victim because they acted like trash and are being treated as such. So it's two components. Weaponizing your societal standing in order to get what you want. And then if you are when you don't get what you want or in the process of not getting what you want quickly enough, you then uh, weaponize your victimhood and tears in order to get sympathy. Meanwhile, being the person who acted like trash in the first place. Good. I, I like that you use the word status. Was that intentional? Weaponizing your status? Yes, because part of it is the fact that you're white. And then part of it is, for most, the fact that you... There's a scale of things. There's white men and then there's white women. But at the, at the very basic of it is the, the understanding most people have, whether or not they choose to admit it or not, is that when it comes to being believed or supported, they, those two come first and then there's everybody else. Okay. Excellent. Nick, have anything to add? Yeah, I would say, I think to me, Karen is a, a white person. I mean, I, like the way I always thought about it was a white woman who who feels very superior to others and expects that whatever whim or desire they might have should be fulfilled primarily by people in the service industry. And if they don't get what they like, they're not afraid to make a scene and they typically will ask to speak to the manager. All right. So, Nick, you're drawing the connection deliberately between Karen and the Karen haircut, which is the can I talk to your manager haircut as referenced in popular culture. Yes. So so I've got a working definition then that includes Karen as a member of the majority who weaponizes status in an effort to gain something strategically, right? Uh, even if that gain is merely weaponized victimhood. Does that sound like something we can work with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Good, good, good. So Karen has a longer tail than you would think. I did some looking at the internet, and I think Vox actually has a pretty good internet history of the use of the name Karen as an insult. And there is some question as to whether or not the first Karen was the one that appeared in the Mean Girls film, wherein they say, Oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. That may be where Karen came from. Interesting. Wow. The other places their Karen began was somebody making public a possibly fictional, but definitely horrific divorce case against the woman who took the kids. Uh, and that is mostly chronicled on r slash fuck you, Karen. And that is a repost. It has it, it, the original posts are gone of the Karen where Karen Karen took the kids meme came from. But it is fair to say that use the use of the name Karen in a derogatory sense, or at least in a cartoonish sense, started thereabouts. And then as I was researching, the Vox article has this great article uh, to a New York Times article about the bourgeoisie. And now before you roll up your eyes, roll your eyes back of your head and go, oh, God, this is going to be a conversation about taste and class. Isn't it? Isn't it already? When you talk about Karen, Karen, I think, was born as the ultimate reaction to the sort of bougie chic that we were getting in the early part of the 2010s, right? Mm -hmm. Where seventh graders are dreamily looking at different Gucci prints that they think they are someday going to magically afford and have and will make them fulfilled. Karen has the time. Karen has the money. Karen has the luxury to attend to her many, many children. She's not incredibly wealthy by any means, but she drives a reliable vehicle. She can afford the roadside and service insurance. She expresses her horrible, horrible taste by buying things in bulk at Costco and pretending that she's pretty enough to get out of playing by the rules. She has money and she has power and she's not afraid to use it. But here's the thing that sucks. That works for Karen. It works astonishingly well, in fact. So when Karen doesn't get her fill of her surprising tastelessness, when Karen's desires are not fulfilled, when she fails to achieve her definition of satisfaction, she crumbles. She has nothing to stand on. When Karen gets into a conflict, she has no choice but to turn to the same middling tastes and unexamined preferences that have served her so well before. The problem isn't her. The problem is that the person in her way is a tasteless clod. So she needs to talk to the manager. Right. Karen needs to talk to the manager because this hourly employee in front of her has disrespected 
her ass. Yeah, I mean, you know who she is? Right. Well, she knows what, what she's repping. She's lost who she is, is the argument I'm making. She knows what she's repping, though. She wants what she wants, and she's willing to pay for it. And that's always worked before. Clearly, this is an issue not about her taste, but about her. This is an issue, not about the absurdity of her own perspective, but on the wrongheadedness of the person causing her distress. Her request is reasonable. Fajitas must be eaten with cheese. <laughs> this, is, this is a fact. This conversation is simply resolved by pressing the up button until you find someone with tastes in line with her own. So it becomes clear to her that she is right and that the hourly employee denying her wish fulfillment does not understand the good life and the sacrifices she had to make to get here. And also she doesn't play by the rules. The rules are for other people. <laughs> and when that doesn't work, then what does Karen do? When the up button fails to bring a manager or my personal favorite, I am the manager. <laughs> what does Karen do then? I don't really know, actually. I, what happens when an unfulfilled desire can't be fulfilled? I, I would assume it manifests in other ways, I suppose. I think Karen takes the kids and she leaves for good. I don't know. Maybe she chokes and strangles her dog. Maybe she takes up smoking, or fucks the pool boy. None of these choices, however, will change things for the better for Karen. And here's the weird thing. And then I'll, I'll pause for feedback. Karen, deep inside, I think, is a person. There is a pit at the center of the Karen peach. And within that pit is a seed that has the same power of growth and development as has all things in creation. And in my small town, white privileged experience, I believe that Karens of every race and creed and culture can be better because of that seed. And that's my hope for her. I can't do it for her. It's her walk. She has to do the hard work of self-examination to seek and grow and understand. But when we declare Karen a monster and we laugh and we laugh and we strike from her all her humanity, we are not going to encourage Karen to face her Karen nature. It's only going to make her dig her heels in all the more in order to help Karen we have to forgive Karen. When we dehumanize the lady behind the Karen, we refuse to face our own ugly nature and we enable and empower the demon Karen to consume more souls. <laughs> Feedback time? Yes, please. So, <clears throat> Two things about dehumanizing Karen. Yes, I can take an argument that it is not beneficial to our cause to dehumanize Karen. At this point, I do believe Karen jokes have gone 
way too far because what needs to be happening in many cases is we need to actually call them the racists. We need to actually call them fascists. We need to actually call them liars. And we're doing too much of a thing where like, oh, he's such a Chad or oh, he's such a Karen. But no, this person is a, a fucking racist and they need to be called as such. The second thing about dehumanizing Karens is, on the other hand, this the the notion of of the notion of being able to behave badly and be met with understanding is one that I I simply do not support on mass. I feel like for many people, they are at their wit's end on having to deal with Karens and people who are like Karens. They're tired of seeing it. And they no longer have the capacity to be like, oh, well, maybe she's having a bad day. Because what happens with, and for me, I'm talking about a very specific Karen, what happens is when you escalate these issues in this Karen-like way, we are talking about people being fired, we are talking about people being arrested, and we're talking about people being murdered, people losing their lives and livelihoods. And it is at this point that I have zero fucks to give about the dehumanization of the Karen, because I want people to recognize what Karen behavior is and why it should not be at all tolerated. We will get to the specific Karen. Um, (laughs) We will. I have included her in my discussion to which you are referring. And I had thought about saying, let's, let's not discuss the white nature of Karen, but that seemed to me to be completely dishonest. Like, no, Karen does have to be a white lady. I think Everyone can manifest, Karen. When I started exploring this, I really was objecting to a racial definition of Karen. But the more I read about it, the more I realized that, like, no, this is specifically a racial issue, period, end of story. So we'll get there, I promise. Nick? Yeah, I would say, so I am typically someone who can be very easily pulled under the spell of, like, really flowery and nice writing, and then kind of go along with that argument because I liked how it sounded. And I, and I think what, what you wrote was, was really excellent. It really tickled me. Um, <laughs> however, that's what, that was the turn. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this is, this is a, but, and mm-hmm. kind of thing. But and, yep. <laughs> One of those famous. I've heard that so long. I, I haven't heard but and in so long, but you're right. This is a but and. Um, no, I, w- I would just say like, I, you know, I, I tend to agree with Nikenji's point of view. I, I think that like, I don't believe that the vast, vast majority of these Karens are ever going to have the ability to be introspective enough to change the way that they are and and certainly um, not introspective enough to change the way that they are and then recall back to instances where they acted like a Karen and then now they realize where they were wrong. Like, I I don't know. Like, it it just, it seems to me that like not being self-aware is kind of a really critical piece of a Karen. And also self-awareness does not come 
without consequences. And that is like, unless we can talk about, I feel like we can, de- we can talk and debate about dehumanizing Karen after Karen's have faced consequences because consequences is the only time that they hear. So if Karen does what Karen does and there's like a situation that happens, I don't want to jump to trying to humanize Karen and what she's going through and why she behaved the way she behaved. I want to jump to these are the consequences of Karen's behavior. And then after which we can talk about as, as long as we want, like, oh, okay, well she, I mean, she grew up this way. She didn't know any better. Like, yeah, but she's not going to have that self-reflective piece without consequences that's just the nature of a Karen I almost wonder if we're kind of like in the middle of like kind of a societal reckoning for Karens that might be the only chance that Karens could even have a wake-up call like like before Karen I don't know that we all had a way to even communicate about this and and know exactly you know what we were talking about whereas now like you'll see some of these Karen videos and then they start calling these women that Karen and then they lose their minds because they're saying well I'm not a Karen and I mean maybe this is this is the first step of society trying to write itself well I push back there because here's the thing in a lot of these cases, well, actually, you know, I don't know what algorithm is showing you, uh, what the social media algorithm is showing you or the Google al- algorithm is showing you. But in a lot of instances, even from the examples brought up here, the Karen is a racist or a mm-hmm. bigot. And there is great difficulty within this society for anyone to call somebody a racist, regardless, to that person is defensive. Yes. But then the people around him who who empathize or sympathize or see themselves in that person are defensive. But what I feel sure. like the Karen term is doing is allowing people to have this straw man, if you will, that people can all identify, agree on because the edges are like, you know, rubbed off. Like it, it doesn't hurt to, to, to say it or have it be said, but is not the dog whistle. I mean, now it's because, I mean, it's, it's really been intense, but, but at, at least when it started and over the last few months, it wasn't the dog whistle that happens when you call somebody a racist, where like these people come out of the woodwork to try to find all the different ways in which this is, could not possibly be racist. No, it's just you call them a Karen and everyone understands that this person acted in a way that just isn't how we would want to be treated. And yeah, they should face consequences, which is, I mean, is a is a, 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 a oversimplification. But I think that's what the term Karen does. What you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, but I'm just envisioning a scenario where, like, I actually, I actually dealt with the Karen like maybe a month ago, and unfortunately, this Karen was was coming at going after a person of color however i i just wonder like if if this person was going after a white person i couldn't very well call them a racist you know Mm. but were they a bigot or prejudiced well and i think that gets at sort of my initial struggle with accepting karen's definition as a as a as a racially motivated individual, because a lot of times I think Karens are behaving classist or Karens are behaving behaviorist. They are attacking things that aren't necessarily motivated by race. That being said, in common parlance and the parlance that the algorithm I think exposes 
and the value in having us having these these conversations that three very different people having very different experiences on the internet are going to see different things and mm -hmm. i think that what i came to understand as i was doing my homework on this piece uh this thought was that karen is now a coded language for racially motivated ideas and thoughts and specifically when you look at the current internet definition not our working definition so much as what's on like different sort of this is what a karen is websites there's two takes on it the first one is karen is a white person who weaponizes her privilege her white privilege against other people of other races and that is the default, I think, the de facto now. So I don't think you can separate it anymore, which is why I started with history, because in history, I feel like Karen on Karen crime <laughs> was was really like mutually assured Karen destruction uh, kept a lot of the Karens in, at bay. But like Karen has exploded all over. So uh, I don't even I just wanted to get for that joke. Not really. Though. I really I, no, I really do believe this. So I'm going to really fast handedly go over. There are a lot of manifestations of mental illness that you could easily hang around Karen. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I was going to go into it deeper, but the point is just look at personality disorders, find out more about personality disorders. There's narcissism, there's borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, all of these disorders are hallmarked by the behaviors that Karens exhibit. When I see these behaviors, they are for me a reminder of someone who's heavily invested in the mental health space. They are a reminder that Karen is not healthy. Whether or not that's because Karen is a racist or Karen is depression or Karen is a borderline, like it does, the Karen isn't right. Their Karen is inherently broken. And I, I think that when you include that conversation also as Karen is code for racist, I'm not making an excuse for Karen's racism. And I don't want it to come off that way. But I think a lot of the Karens in the classical sense are people with personality disorders who are struggling with their worldview being changed. Whereas Karen in the modern sense is the Karen that I'm going to label the not Karen. The not Karen is a Karen. Not Karen is white Karen. By consensus, as you look across the internet, and as much as you can accept the internet as consensus of anything, Karen has become a name associated with white women who call the police on black people. And that is thanks to Amy Cooper. I don't choose to call Amy Cooper the Central Park Karen. Because what Amy Cooper did isn't about Karen. It's about Amy Cooper. What Amy Cooper did was the racist act of a coward who was living her life unexamined. And that might be Karen-ish. But it's neither fair nor helpful to lump unexamined racism in with unexamined affluenza.
And that's the danger. That's where we have to draw the line, I think. Amy Cooper should not be afforded the anonymity granted to her by the Karen moniker. It allows her to continue to live her life unexamined, and it allows her to set her dark and gross racist identity apart from who she believes the real Amy Cooper to be. And so I say her name, Amy Cooper exhibited racist behavior. Amy Cooper was fired because she exhibited racist behavior. Amy Cooper tried to use her white privilege as a weapon against someone she, I guess, got in a power struggle with. And worst of all, in my opinion, Amy Cooper has not shown remorse. Why do I say she hasn't shown remorse? Well, in her statement following the Memorial Day incident, which she published on PR Newswire, the PR engine of all of the uninspired mundane marketing professionals, Amy Cooper fails to take on the societal implications of her racial act and instead weakly spins the conversation into a civil disagreement between two aggrieved citizens. That is not what happened. And that is not what she did. Her victim, who I should mention is a major irritation to newsrooms across the nation because he is also named Cooper, <laughs> is sorry for her. He says he wishes she hadn't done it. And in his interviews, he stops just short of saying that he feels bad for what has happened to her because that is our nature. That is how insidious labeling her a Karen and a sad, poor white lady who cries is. White lady tears are a real thing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have believed it had I not read White Fragility. The day I wrote this essay, I read the chapter on white lady tears. The whole take on Karenism changed for me. At the end of the day, Amy Cooper specifically and Karen, as she exists on the Internet now, are manifestations of white fragility the titular subject of Robin DiAngelo's book on unexamined white privilege and racist behaviors and policies that support racist ideas. That is what I think of Karen. And that is my defense of Karen, that there is no Karen. There is only assholes. Dangerous assholes. Dangerous assholes. Yeah, boy, the, when you look at and you know who I didn't bring into this article are the dangerous assholes from uh, St. Louis with their gun. <laughs> right. We talked about them last week. Yeah. Uh, the the dangerous because I've seen a new one. There, there was um, there are all no, the <laughs> go ahead. It was the people with the guns and the oh, black yeah, people. the couple. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, have you and seen we... the video of, of the, the the guy, who the girl who got out the, the SUV and pulled a weapon um, and was holding it on these two women who they were reversing and almost hit? Mm -hmm. And they've been charged now? I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, let's not call those Karens, right? Like, that's not Karen. That's, that's, that's a dangerous definitely... racist asshole. Yeah. And, I mean, so Amy Cooper was charged with a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. You know, what will happen? I think that happened today. Yeah. But like, I don't, I, the dialogue is what's important. And the fact that we call her Amy Cooper and not Karen, because 
She will not. You're exactly right, Nick. She will never examine this if she's allowed to to build it, to hide it away in a wall of Karen within her. So so essentially, like what you're saying, Gabe, is that like we've developed this shorthand term to express something about a person. And when we do that, we're allowing them out that they don't actually deserve. So do you think that we shouldn't use the term Karen at all? Or do you think that it should be, it should go back to its original definition and we shouldn't let it cover racist acts? Well, I think that Karen's given us a name for ugly bourgeois unexamined privilege, you Mm -hmm. know, and ugly bourgeois unexamined privilege, I think is by necessity a conversation about race. Sure. Because all privilege in America anyway, ties back to the ugly racist history of the majority. My goal in, in, in defending Karen was, was obviously not to defend Karen. Karen is, is not defensible. But to get pause when you say, look at this Karen. Why are there so many Karens? Karen up, the Karen uprising will be the end of us all. <laughs> God, God forbid the Karen uprising. Oh, my God. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know that Karens can uprise. Like you're uprising from what? You are in charge. <laughs> well, there's still white men who are ahead. So that's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so I don't know. Final thoughts? I am. Um, I, I have to say that I wasn't really sure where you were going with this. And I am happy with the discourse. I think that. I think that the position is interesting. I have to do my thinking on, I mean, what that means on a, on a day-to-day basis and like. Well, and don't we all? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I think that's, I never intended to sit down and make a podcast exploring racism. <laughs> never in a million years. I think the world just helped us do that. These conversations are vital and, and surprisingly integrated into this examination of privilege that our, if not our country, at least I'm going through. I hope that someone else gets value out of hearing me process this. And I hope I don't go back on it two years from now and go, oh my God, what a, what a monster I was. But I actually kind of hope I do. Because that means I'm growing. Yeah. <laughs> right. One way or the other. I hope I'm growing the right direction. So I, I, I guess my my final thought is, you know, with, with any really good conversation that a lot of ideas expressed, I, I feel the same way as Nikenji. Like I, I almost kind of got to swallow this and kind of see where I end up. I, I do think that, you know, there probably is some some deep resonant validity to your point that, you know, these people have something probably diagnostic wrong with them. And and I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah. Borderline personality disorder is not pretty. Uh, Some of, some of the biggest assholes I know are motivated through the brain chemical that prescribed, that, that drives their 
borderline personality disorder? Well, um, on that, I used to think, well, I came to my latest therapist saying that I think I might have BPD. And she said that a lot of things that manifest as the symptoms of BPD are actually unaddressed uh, traumas. And that, yes, there are people with BPD, but as it manifests, when you don't address certain traumas, then you can end up having a lot of symptoms that look like a lot of these personality disorders. So we'll see if I have BPD in a year. Well, so that's fine. <laughs> Stay tuned. Um, the other, and I, I just wanted to also just throw out there, one of my favorite quotes, um, Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. I, I kind of really ruminated on that when you were mentioning that, you know, I, I've tried to be a thoughtful person in my life. I haven't always been the best at it. I definitely do look back at how I thought about things years ago and kind of like, um, kind of am upset with myself. But again, that's part of growth and that's part of learning. So I think that there's a lot of validity to the things that you talked about. I just, I want to chew on them a little bit more. Yep. 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 So with that being said, what did we learn? today? Well, we learned a couple of things, maybe even three of them. We learned one, Karen is a demon spawn who can rip out your heart, plant it in the ground and grow a seed that would become the tree of Karen that might possibly overwhelm us all at the end. We learned that Nikenji is operating on a serious fucks deficit. <laughs> <laughs> And I did not know this as I put it together, but I learned, I learned that I think I love Karen. Karen has given us a name for our ugly bourgeois on examined privilege. And in so naming it, we can begin on the path to integrating and repairing the Karen that is the blight on our souls. I take the Karen that is within me and I honor it so that I can Karen no more. When I eat my inner Karen, I will wake up to a world that will probably be okay. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, really good.